Let's uh, start in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 this morning. Welcome, Brother Cornelius. Very well. Your Bible automatically goes to Ephesians. Well, of all the epistles, it's uh, definitely one of Paul's, you know, heavenly places. Praise God. Let's pray before we start. Father, we give thanks for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to learn of you. Uh, Father, we ask you that you prepare our hearts for what you've prepared us for. Uh, Father, that that we may have let slip, we thank you for reminding us of it. And that which we had seen, we thank you for showing it to us. And uh, Lord, we do pray that our eyes be enlightened and that we come into a full knowledge of what you uh, have designed for the church corporately and for us individually. We give you the glory, give you the honor, and give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we kind of took a little bit of a different direction. We've been talking about unity for uh, a couple of months. And uh, uh, maybe it was just for me, but uh, I kind of uh, got focused toward the uh, prayers in the epistles. Uh, kind of with a renewed interest and uh, uh, felt like that it'd be good to share uh, along those lines just to uh, keep our praying current with the the revelation that the Lord had given us. Uh, Like we said last week, the Gospels were written for us and the uh, uh, Old Testament was written for us. Uh, but uh, uh, the epistles were written to us. And so uh, the, the more direct and we would say the more uh, latest currency of God's plan revealed to man, uh, you know, centers around the revelation that uh, was revealed in the, uh, the, the, the epistles. Uh, you know, what happened... But in the, you know, when Jesus uh, was buried, was crucified, buried, resurrected, and seated, is not revealed in the Gospels. Amen. Now we need the the narrative, the historical account. We need the uh, identification with Jesus's ministry because we are sent and anointed to do the works of Jesus and the Gospels lay out clearly what His works was and how He ministered to people. But if we just had the Gospels and it ended there, we would not have the revelation uh, specifically given to the church. And uh, God's ethnic, you have to a little bit understand God's ethnic division. Uh, let's talk about God's ethnic division to start this morning. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, this has to do with prayer and the way we pray and how Paul prayed in the epistles. And uh, 1 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, how many know that the Corinthians he was writing to were not former Jews? The Ephesians were not former Jews. The Colossians were not former Jews. Uh, the people of the churches, uh, Galatia, Ephesus, uh, Thessalonica, these were heathen people that had not been brought up in the Jewish culture. And so we've had some, you know, benefit of partaking of the Jewish culture by being Bible readers or being taught in Sunday school and, and being exposed to the Jewish culture. But these people were heathen people. And uh, so uh, here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that's you and me in case you were wondering. <laughs> you and I were heathens and uh, non-Jewish people. And, uh, you know, unless you have a Jewish background, I don't know, all of you may have some Jewish uh, privileges, but uh, here he said uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, he said, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's a good principle to live by. Can you say amen? You know, sometimes people say, well, the Bible doesn't say don't do such and such, or the Bible, you know, doesn't address that subject. Well, in one sense it does in a general way. He said here, uh, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So sometimes people are looking for loopholes. (laughs) Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about... Uh, you know, drinking whiskey. (laughs) I'm just using something for an illustration. Well, no, it doesn't say anything about drinking whiskey, but can you drink a fifth of whiskey for the glory of God? Right? Right. Or some other thing. I just used that for, you know, a thing. But uh, that's a good principle to, you know, to bring, you know, to judge things by. Is it done for the glory of God? Verse 32, he says, Give no offense, uh, neither to the Jews, say the Jews, Jews. nor to the Gentiles, say Gentiles, Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So this is God's ethnic division. Uh, Jew, Gentile, and church. And the Jew is ever a Jew, you know, a natural descendant of Abraham. And then, of course, a Gentile, uh, the margin says Greeks or non-Jews, nor to the church of God. So the Bible uh, differentiates three ethnic groups. Uh, Either you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, or you're part of the church. Can you say amen? Amen. And if it doesn't matter what background you come, the Bible says, you know, that there's not male nor female, there's not Jew nor Greek, there's not uh, slave or free. It breaks down all divisions and eth- ethnic breakdowns, rich or poor, whatever. Uh, it just says that if you are born again and you've come into the family of God, then you are part of the church. So those, the Gospels were written again for us. The Old Testament was written for us. But the epistles are letters written to the church. Yes. 
And so that's why I wanted to focus a little bit on the prayer. Thank God for the Lord's Prayer. I was taught to pray the Lord's Prayer from the time I was a young man and became very familiar with it. And then also a lot of times people mention Jesus at prayer, especially John chapter 17 where He prayed. Uh, that whole chapter is Him praying uh, for His disciples right before He went to the cross. But uh, I never did hear any uh, teaching emphasizing the prayers in the epistles. Now, I didn't get exposed to learning to pray the prayers in the epistles until I went to Bible school and actually sat under the ministry of Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. And uh, he talked about how that, uh, you know, when he was pastoring, that uh, he began to uh, be led by the Spirit to pray the prayers out of the epistles for himself and for his church. And he left his Bible. Uh, the parsonage was right next door to the sanctuary. And he had to go through a side door to get in the sanctuary. And he would leave his Bible on the altar. And, and several times a day he would come in and out of the sanctuary. And so when the Lord began to deal with that, he just laid his Bible on the altar. And uh, so when he had come in the side door, he would just kneel and pray those prayers out of the book of Ephesians, especially Ephesians 1-3 chapter 1 and chapter 3. And he said nothing seemed to be happening initially, but then after about five or six months of praying that, he said he started getting revelation from the Word of God. Uh, like the authority of the believer, how to be led by the Spirit, who we are in Christ, you know, uh, redeemed from the curse of the law. And he said to his wife, he said, what have I been preaching for the last 10 years? He said, I haven't even been giving them milk. I've been giving them what he called Blue John, which was just basically, you know, diluted milk. And uh, so, I mean, he had been successful. He had had souls saved and, and people healed, uh, you know, because he had been healed himself and understood faith from Mark 11:23 and Mark 11:24. But all I'm saying is it changed the emphasis of his ministry and, and, uh, and brought revelation that was life-changing uh, when he began to, to learn to pray in line with uh, the spirit of what uh, the epistles were communicating in prayer. So I'm not diminishing any other prayer. I'm not diminishing the Lord's Prayer. I'm not diminishing any prayer of the Old Testament. I'm not diminishing any other thing and saying that's been done away with. I'm just putting emphasis, I think, where emphasis is. And uh, for us to, you know, to... I, what, I, what is happening in my life, I'm having kind of a revolution and a revival in my prayer life right now. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and so uh, in that happening, uh, I want to get, you know, as close as I can into the perfect will of God. And uh, so in that, there's been an emphasis for me to, to focus back that direction and to pray those prayers. And to not only just pray those prayers, but really what I'm seeking after personally is to get the same spirit of prayer on me that Paul had on him. Because if you read through the epistles, uh, you just be reading along. He's giving instructions. And all at once, right in the middle of instructions, he starts praying. And then he gives some more instructions and starts praying. 
And, you know, Paul said, you know, to the churches, he said, like, uh, to the Colossians 4.2, he said, uh, watch, uh, he said to, uh, to uh, watch in the same there, pray, praying always, uh, continue in prayer, I'll get it, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So he said, continue in prayer to the Colossians. And then, uh, you know, later in Colossians 4, he said, Epaphras, your minister, uh, he said, he always labors for you fervently in prayer that you might stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So Paul had a spirit of prayer on him. Ephesus had a spirit of prayer on him. Uh, You know, and then Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, after putting on the whole armor, he said, praying always. Colossians. Colossians, he said, continue in prayer. Ephesians, he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Right? For all saints, with all perseverance for all saints. And then like in Thessalonians, uh, he said, rejoice evermore. Uh, Pray without ceasing. Right? And then he said, uh, you know, uh, in everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So anyway, I, I just felt like that the model of prayer for the church should be emphasized in us looking at the uh, epistle prayers and, and, and believe in God for more of the spirit of prayer like that Paul had on him. And that, you know, you can see the Jews at prayer. You can see, uh, you know, the Gentiles at prayer. I mean, those Matthews said, don't be like the Gentiles because they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Gentiles pray. Buddhists pray. Muslims pray. Right? Uh, You know, every religion prays. But uh, he said, don't be like them. Let's just go look at the Gentiles at prayer here for a minute. The takeaway on looking at the Gentiles at prayer, Matthew chapter 6, is you don't pray like they do. I know this is a little bit different, but is this all right? While you're going to Matthew 6, listen at how Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, which is one of the prayers we pray, starts. For this cause. For what cause? Well, if you read back from 3.14, from chapter 1 down to there, it's the whole revelation of, of God's plan and purpose for the Gentiles. Amen. That out of the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be shown to the principalities and powers. Chapter 2, he talks about you weren't a people, now you're a people. You didn't have a covenant, now you have a covenant. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were a child of wrath. You were a child of disobedience. But God quickened you in Christ Jesus, raised you up, made you to sit together in heavenly places. By grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His kindness toward us in Christ. Right? 
He starts out by saying, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Talking about we're accepted in the, in the Beloved, and we've been adopted as sons, and now we're irreproachable before Him in love. Right? That He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. You know, he talks, He's talking about God's plan for the church, not the Jew. Now the Jew, there are Jews, there's a remnant of the Jews included in the church, but the plan he's talking about is for the Gentile. And it's almost that here's the timeline of God and he's going along. We talked about last time understanding dispensation. And here's the Lord, you know, here's Adam and Eve and the dispensation of innocence and right on down. And then, uh, you know, uh, Mosaic Law came and, you know, then Mosaic Law and then Mosaic Law ended. And then all at once, there's just a parenthetical, hidden mystery that was unforeseen, unknown, unimagined, that the Bible says even the angels desire to look into at the grace of God that got revealed to the Gentiles. And the Bible calls it the mystery. And so nobody was seeing this, and then all at once, God revealed it and the way he revealed it was through, uh, he chose Paul. Uh, it was revealed through the apostles and prophets. But uh, through Paul, he was particular and singularly used as uh, the, the, the instrument that God used to bring, uh, you know, the Gentiles. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. So I know this is kind of general in its sense. Uh, but we need to understand that we are the Gentiles and that we are the church and God's ethnic group is Jew-Gentile and uh, Jew-Gentile and the church of God and that we should emphasize the prayers and learn the spirit of, of prayer from what was written to us, the Gentiles. Amen? So what we're, what we're reaching for here is to get the spirit of prayer like Paul had the spirit of prayer on him in the epistles. And again, he, he must have lived in the spirit of prayer because if you read the epistles, it'd be instruction and right at a point he'd be just preaching away and teaching the Gentiles and he'd stop and start praying for them. And he'd start instructing again. And he'd stop and start praying for them. And then somewhere along the way he'd say, uh, praying always. For them too, not just for him. Yeah. Right? Nice. So um, I believe that we can believe the Spirit of God for the Spirit of prayer to rest on us like it rested on Paul. Yeah. But we said there was Jew, Gentile, and, uh, and, uh, and the church of God. So uh, first of all, we're not supposed to pray like the Gentiles. <laughs> Are you still here? Yes. So I'm not supposed to pray like a Gentile. Gentiles pray. Muslims pray. Buddhists pray. You know, whatever other religion you want to name, prays. Right? Uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about prayer. Verse 5. He said, and when you pray... You shall not be as the hypocrites are. So we don't want to pray like the hypocrites pray. 
<laughs> Amen. He said, don't pray like the hypocrites pray. He said, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. So it was a motivation behind their prayer. And they didn't do any uh, private praying. All theirs was public praying when people were watching. Right? And he said, you don't want your prayer to be like that. He said, for verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Well, their reward would just be any acclamation that men gave them. How many would rather have God hear and answer and be pleased with your prayers than just to pray for men? How shallow and, you know, know, uh, unrewarding would that be? He said, but thou, you... When you pray, enter into your closet. This is a solitary or, or obscure place. You know, I read a quote recently by uh, Dwight Moody, and someone said that uh, he was a good preacher, but he was even a better uh, prayer warrior. Amen. Amen. So he says here, he says, uh, uh, when you pray, enter into your closet. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to have a prayer closet, but he's talking about getting away, talking about getting someplace where you're not distracted. You know, uh, several occasions it said Jesus went away to a solitary place to pray. Amen. Uh, you know, I've been accused a couple of times of being too solitary. <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, you just need to get with God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And, uh, and so Jesus uh, at times uh, went, you know, out uh, before daybreak or went to a solitary place. But he said, when you pray, enter into your closet and you can make a closet uh, or in, in a lot of places, right? And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father, which is in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, Let me say this in regard to the use of addressing God as our Father. The only two places that you find prayer addressed to the Father is in the life of Jesus and in the epistles. Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, Jesus uh, taught the disciples to pray with the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven. So, uh, again, this goes back to differentiating between the way the Gentiles pray and, uh, and, uh, and the way the church or those in the family of God pray. Uh, you know, a lot of times people, I've heard ministers minister in a professional tone and use the word God, you know. Oh, God, you know. And uh, I'm sure you could say God anointed in that degree. But there's a difference between religion and family. And prayer is addressing our Father. Our Father, 
which art in heaven. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So most Gentile or most religious people that do not know Jesus as their Savior uh, do not approach prayer as a uh, address or a meeting with, uh, communion with their Father. But the epistles address God as our Father. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says we have the privilege, the right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, to come into the presence of the Father. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians says, you know, blessed be uh, God, you know, the the God of mercies, the, the God of comfort, and the Father of mercies. So, uh, you know, church people, Gentiles that are born again, uh, they pray and Paul prayed and the spirit of the epistle is the Father and His family. Jesus said here in verse 8, He said, Your Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. So this puts prayer on a a personal relationship basis. Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family. So it's not a religious thing, it's a family thing. Amen. 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 He said, When you pray, enter into your closet. When you shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret. You know, nothing is hidden before Him. Right? The Bible says everything is naked and open before Him whom we have to do. And of course, He looks at our heart. Thank God He does. And, uh, you know, uh, and our Father which sees in secret shall reward thee open. When you pray, He's talking about this, we're talking about how the Gentiles pray. He said, when you pray, use not vain repetitions what would vain be empty useless non-profit right so if I just you know I'm going over and over and over on something uh, you know uh, you know if I'm talking to Kelly I don't repeat myself you know multiple times said you know Kelly I came to see you today and and, uh, you know, I, I have a favor to ask for you. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm glad you're doing good. I've got a favor to ask for you. And, uh, and uh, I do have a favor to ask, you know. You don't do that in the restaurant when you go in and order your food. You don't order your food multiple times. And so, uh, you know, when we're talking to God, we don't use vain repetitions. He says... Uh, when you pray, use not vain repetitions over and over and over again as the heathen do. So he's talking about the heathen praying here, right? Yeah. He said, don't pray like the heathen and use vain repetitions for they think that they shall be heard for what reason? For their much speaking. They think if they pray it long enough and multiple times enough and often enough and frequent enough that... Uh, that they'll be heard for their much speaking. So their faith in being heard is their much speaking. But what does First John 
We looked at it Wednesday afternoon in prayer. 1 John 5.14 says this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask over and over and over and over again, He'll hear us. <laughs> no, it says this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Right? So our confidence is not in much speaking. Our confidence is in asking according to His will and He hearing us. Amen. This, this goes back to God's personal care and concern about our lives. Which is what He says in the, the next verse. He says... Uh, be not ye therefore like unto them. So Jesus is telling them how not to pray. So we've already learned a bunch about how not to pray. Don't pray like the hypocrites, right? Uh, don't pray to be heard of men. Don't, be, don't pray to, you know, uh, with vain repetitions, right? Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father, and the emphasis is here on our Father, your Father knows what things you have need of. When? Before. Say before. Before. So God already knows what you need before you come. Praise God. Say that with me. God already knows, God already knows what, I have need of what I have need of before I come. Before I come. So then prayer is not telling God about the problem for hours. Amen. Amen. You know, prayer can be a worry session. I mean, just going before God and having the problem on your mind the whole time you're there is, uh, is not... Uh, I mean, uh, you know, prayer is a change of focus from the problem to the answer. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. Prayer is a change of focus from the problem to the answer. Amen. And so, uh, you know... Uh, this should, you know, affect the way we pray, how we pray. And then he goes on and talks about what manner, uh, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, sanctified, wonderful, blessed be your name. Now, I, I'm just going to stop right here because I'm learning from the epistle prayers. What's the first thing that Jesus did when he was praying. Not that we're trying to do it mechanically, but the first thing he did is said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or blessed be your name. Yes. Amen. Now, blessing God is actually prayer. Amen. Uh, you know, I was thinking some about in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, they uh, had incense that they offered up to the Lord. They put the, the spices uh, on the, the altar or the fire or on an uh, a incense burner. And uh, when the priests went in 
the uh, incense made a cloud and it made a sweet aroma. But the, 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 the glory of the, the full, the, the, the you know, fragrance of that, if you read back, it was several different kind of spices. It was like calamus and frankincense and, and myrrh and, and, you know, two or three different things that blended together and made this pleasing aroma. And if you look in the epistles and in the New Testament, you'll find that prayer is inclusive. It's just not petitions. Petitions is asking. And Paul asked. But at the same time, his prayer was a blend of a whole lot besides petitions. And here Jesus started out, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Paul started Ephesians out by saying, Blessed be God and Father. That's prayer. Blessed be God. Blessing God is actually prayer. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving. That's prayer. Amen. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. And you find Paul in the epistles mingling blessing God with thanksgiving, with worship, and that petitions was actually, if you pie-charted it just for pie-charting's sake, we're talking about a relationship, not a, you know, a slot machine in heaven when we're talking about God. <laughs> Are you still here? And it's not just a mechanical pulling an arm or something like that. I mean, we're talking about a relationship, but if you pie-charted it, actually petitions is a small part of Paul's praying. It is a part, but it's, you know. Uh, go with me. He didn't say the heathen did that. He didn't say the heathen entered his gates with thanksgiving and entered his courts with praise. No. He didn't say the heathen said, uh, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He didn't say the heathen, uh, you know, uh, said for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's, there, you know, you, sometimes epistles don't end in, in Jesus' name, but they usually have Jesus included in them, and that goes back to the ethnic division of Jew, Gentile, and church. Yeah. I mean, the church was not in existence, the body of Christ was not in existence and we were not baptized in the body of Christ as Gentiles until Jesus was raised from the dead. You couldn't be born again. Believe in your heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the name. So again, characteristic of the epistle prayers, uh, you know, even different from Jesus at prayer, was it's to the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? So, I mean, thank God for praying the Lord's Prayer. But, you know, again, I knew the Lord's Prayer when I was six years old, but I didn't know the Ephesians prayers when I was six years old. And I should have knew. <laughs> Somebody should have been teaching me the epistle prayers 
because I'm a Gentile kid with Gentile parents, right? In a Gentile church. And this would have been more the thing that the Word of God addressed pertaining to me than even the Lord's Prayer. Now, both of them is right, and we should learn and pray both of them. But uh, anyway, uh, again, uh, the prayers in the epistles are inclusive. And by inclusive, I mean it like the Old Testament incense. It was just not one thing. It was a blend of worship, thanksgiving, rejoicing, celebrating, praising, and petition. Amen. 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 Now, you know, let's go look at the prayer sandwich. First Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> I'm just, like I said, I'm just having a revolution in my prayer life and, and uh, you know, you know, want the spirit of how Paul prayed. Amen. 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 And I, I got to thinking about this too, and we're going to stop here and, and, and practice. But, uh, you know, uh, in the end of the book of John, Jesus said if all the works that Jesus did were written, He said the world couldn't contain the books. In other words, Jesus did a lot of things that we don't have the account of. But we do have the account of uh, holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we have the account that God wanted us to have. Well, there was uh, literally hundreds and thousands of people that were healed individuals in the ministry of Jesus, but we only have about 19 accounts in the Gospels of individuals healed. The woman with the issue of blood, the Jairus' daughter, the nobleman's son, you know, the two blind men, you know, right on down, the man let down through the roof, whatever. Why? Because that's the ones that the Lord wanted us to have, right? That's the ones the Lord wanted us to have that will actually answer the questions that we have. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if it's like that with prayer, then I'm sure Paul prayed a lot of prayers. Yeah. 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 Right? Mm-hmm. But the ones that the Spirit recorded are the ones that we have uh, in the epistles. So uh, I got to thinking about that. That must mean that some of the major things that I should be praying for and believing God for are actually addressed in the prayers that the Holy Spirit gave. And some of the best things that I could pray for myself and pray for other members of the body of Christ is to pray like Paul prayed. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And if we pray focused on those things, it might be that we were much more fruitful and much more effective in prayer. That's right. Because we would be majoring on the majors instead of majoring on the minors. Now, I'm not just saying that we need to get the King James letter and the epistle prayers and pray them, but the gist and the spirit of those things are some of the things that the Spirit of God was inspiring Paul to pray for the Gentile church. And if we're in the Gentile church, then how could we go wrong by praying some of those things more predominantly or more highlighted? Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, 
So anyway, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we're talking about the epistle prayers. I, I jumped ahead of myself a little bit, but that's all right. Uh, we said that those prayers differ because they're prayed to the Father. Amen. 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 Those prayers differ because they're prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Those prayers also teach us inclusiveness, not just a prayer life of petitioning, Mm -hmm. but a blended aroma of spices, so to speak. And the Bible even talks about the, the in the book of Revelation that the prayers, you know, that the incense that went up was the prayers of the saints. Amen. 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 So if you can imagine the Old Testament, imagine the high priest, and the Bible says that you and I are priests. We're holy generation, a holy a royal generation, a holy people. We're priests and we're called forth to show the praises of Him that brought us out of darkness into light. I don't know, my whole prayer life has just changed into more of a, uh, more of thanksgiving and praise and rejoicing. Amen. Amen. So let's look at the prayer uh, uh, sandwich here. We've used our time up. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we'll just start in verse 15 to get the flow. He said, See that none render evil for evil unto any. Now, this is written in every epistle, and I've not seen this as much as I've seen this in the last year or two, but the Bible talks about don't rail against those that rail. Uh, you know, do good to them that mistreat you. you. You don't respond back like they respond and go to their level. Yeah. You, you, you just uh, do what the Bible says. It says, see that none, that would include all of us, right? <laughs> that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all. Amen. Now, I ain't always done that. But whether you're driving or whether you're shopping with your shopping cart. You know, one day, I've told this story, I was in Walmart and I was looking at my list and all at once someone rammed my cart. And I just kept looking at my list and I thought, what kind of turkey can't drive a shopping cart in Walmart? I just want to get the bread out of their cart and jump up and down on it. (laughs) And I looked up, and it was a Christian brother that had done it just for fun. (laughs) He had just saw me, and I didn't see him, and he ran his cart into mine. And I was ready, you know, to to throw his groceries across the aisle. And that's your flesh. That's your flesh. I'm glad I didn't. But it, you know, you you just have to, you know, not, uh, you know, you have to train yourself not to respond, right? But then he's talking here to the Thessalonians, and I, I've started calling this the prayer sandwich as of late. Verse sixteen. Here's the bread on one side. What is it? When are we to rejoice? For eternity. You know, and again, the consistency of Paul, uh, you know, the Spirit of God speaking through Paul. He wrote uh, in Philippians and said, 
Rejoice in the Lord what? Always. Always. And again I say rejoice. Here he said rejoice evermore. It's the same thing written to a different group of people. Right? Rejoice. How often? Have you got anything to rejoice about? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? Is Jesus working on your mansion? Have you got a pain-free body today? And if all of it isn't pain-free, is, is, is part of it pain-free? Yes. So, well, my, my arm is hurting. Well, your head may not be, so rejoice. Amen. So he says rejoice evermore. And in the middle of the sandwich is pray without ceasing. In other words, don't lose the spirit of prayer. Pray every day. Amen. I mean, you got to eat, you got to sleep, and stuff like that, but shouldn't go long without praying. Amen. Amen. Just ask yourself, when have I prayed lately? You know, Wigglesworth said that he never, uh, hardly ever prayed over 15 minutes, but he hardly went 15 minutes without praying. (laughs) So, what we're talking about is a constant practice of God's presence. Amen. Living in His presence. So he said, rejoice evermore. Here's the meat in the middle. Pray without ceasing. Here's the bread on the other side. In what? In everything give thanks. Now he didn't say for everything. I can't give uh, you know, thanks for violence and, and uh, abuse and uh, you know, cancer. and I can't give thanks for those things, but I can give thanks in those things. Why? Because God's going to work it out. Can you say amen? So, in everything, give thanks. Now, is this blended prayer? Is this a diversity? Is this a blending? This is the, We're reading out of the epistles, are we not? We're learning about how Gentiles are supposed to pray in the epistles. Uh, in everything, give thanks. What? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Sometimes people are like, what is the will of God for my life? Well, one thing we know directly from the Scripture is is that giving thanks in everything is the will of God. Say, well, you know, what else is the will of God? Well, start doing and walking in the light that you already know that's the will of God, and you'll get more light about what God's will is. But if you're not doing the already written light, why give you more light? Because then you'll just be accountable for even more that you're not walking in. Can you say, man? Well, we're going to have to stop here. I've preached myself happy. Uh, you know, praying with Brother Paul is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, you know, we're just going to skip the petitioning part and we're going to do the rejoice evermore and to give thanks before we go. Amen. You, you know, I think God just likes a break. Not that He needs a break. <laughs> but He just likes to hear, just like I like my kids to come and for us to have conversation and interaction, communication outside of them asking for something. Because that's the heart. I mean, I'll give them anything they want and that I can give them if they come and the heart is there, the love is there. And this is what we're talking about. 
Amen. Amen. So let's stand up. I know that I, again, have a tendency to teach a bit, maybe too much, but at some point we're going to start balancing out the amount of teaching with the actual practicing. Amen. You ready to rejoice this morning? Lord, you said rejoice evermore. We thank you that we have joy. We knew this morning that your joy is our strength. Thank you. This world didn't give it to us. This world can't take it away. We celebrate the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and rejoice in it and give you thanks for it. We thank you that we're blessed. And we bless your name. Oh, we bless your name today for your goodness, for your mercy, for your riches of your grace that you brought in Christ to us. Thank you that we have the new birth. Thank you that we're delivered from the authority of darkness. Thank you that we're filled with your spirit. Thank you that we have the authority over the devil and he flees from us today. Oh, thank you that we're more than conquerors. Thank you that you have made Christ righteousness and sanctification and redemption wisdom unto us, Lord God. Oh, Father, we thank you that greater is He that's in us today than He that's in the world. Hallelujah! We rejoice! We make the choice to rejoice! We give thanks, oh Lord God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that you're imparting into our heart. Thank you for enlightening the eyes of our understanding. Thank you for strengthening us with might by your Spirit in our inner man. Thank you for giving us a full revelation of the length, depth, breadth, and height of the love of Christ experientially. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with your fullness. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Thank you for helping us to know the hope of your calling. Thank you, Lord God, for helping us to know the exceeding riches of your inheritance in the saints. Thank you for helping us to know, Lord, the exceeding greatness of your power that you wrought in Christ. Thank you for shedding the love of God abroad in our hearts. Thank you for your mercy, your love and kindness, your goodness. Thank you for every prayer that you have answered and that you are answering and that you're going to answer, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We rejoice in you always. And again, we will rejoice forevermore, oh Lord God. Hallelujah. Well, I believe the sweet incense is going up and God goes. Man, that smells so good. Who is that? Jesus said, that's those Gentiles. <laughs> those wild branches that you grafted in down there in Rogers, Arkansas. And the blossoms on their branches are causing the the, the fragrance of the work that you did through me for them to extend to you. And oh, Father, I bless you. And the angels bless you. And they bless you. 
And God is glorified. When God is glorified, everything's going to be all right. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, keep uh, feeding on the prayer sandwich there and keep practicing the prayer sandwich. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.